Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Hi folks, Dr. History here with more stories from the Old West. You know, it is Christmas time, and I thought, well, I'll just tell you two or three stories about uh, Christmases that the pioneers went through and what it was like back then. So the first story I want to tell you about is uh, told by a young man. His name was Charles Walgamot. And he actually came out west as a young man and went to work at a stagecoach station at a place called the City of Rocks. Now, his sister was Mrs. Trotter. Her and her husband were running this historic stage depot. So he talks about the beauty and the joyousness of this part of the season, the holiday season. And he also talks about how severe the winter was that year. He tells how a large sleigh that was drawn by several horses was sent from the city of Rock Station to meet the eastbound stage that would come as far as it could in the snow from the Oakley Stage Depot, which was about 12 miles away. Now here the passengers, mail and express from the sled, would be transferred to the coach. Now, Walgamot relates how his job on the sled was to be a helper. Now, what that entailed, he would sit on an outrigger-type seat uh, by the driver. His duties included sticking down a special cut willow in the snow at intervals during the journey to meet the stagecoach. Now, the reason was to indicate the road location for the return trip. Now, he tells about the difficulty of the horses pulling the sled in deep drifts of snow, how they floundered, and at times they would just lay down. So as a helper, he had to get out and trample down the snow so the horses could get up again and go on. Now, in the open sled, the passengers were covered with the buffalo robes, and uh, so it really wasn't all that uh, cold. Well, at this particular Christmas time, Mrs. Trotter and the cook began great preparations for Christmas dinner. Turkeys were ordered from Corinne, Utah, and everything on the market was sent for. The women folk made fruitcakes and prepared to make steam pudding and mince pie. Well, finally, the Christmas morning stage arrived in a blinding snowstorm. He says, we transferred the load onto the sled, and with the passengers, two ladies and a little girl, about 12 years old, we started. And he says, goodness, how it did snow. It was not so very cold, but we were out in the open sled with lots of buffalo robes. And before we were out half an hour, the sled was full of snow, and we were virtually covered up. Well, the driver was trying to make a little better time than usual as the trotters back at the City of Rock Station, where we would stay all night, were having a big Christmas dinner, and he did not want to be late. Well, he continues, as we urged the team along through the falling snow, one of the horses stepped off the road into the deep snow and fell, dragging the other horses and the sled off the road. Well, the sled was upset or basically stood on its side, spilling everybody and everything out. The women were greatly excited and seemed afraid to move in the deep snow. Well, the driver could not leave his team, but gave me the cue as to what to do. Well, he says, I took one of the robes and I spread it on the snow. I took the little girl and sat her on the robe. And with a little effort, I picked the two women up, one at a time, of course, and placed them on the robes, giving them some covers. Well, in a few minutes, we were back on the road and loaded. He continues, he said, we met the stage on time, and uh, when on our return trip to the City of Rocks, 
He said, we were met with all kinds of Christmas greetings. And on that Christmas evening, many years ago, we sat down to a Christmas dinner. Now, after the meal, we went into the living room where glovemaker Jim, who was living there at the time, had erected a small Christmas tree. He decorated it with cranberries and popcorn, and on its branches hung little tokens of remembrance to each one present. Well, Jim acted as Santa Claus, and we all sang, or tried to. An old fiddle was brought out, and the ladies sang as I played, and Jim kept time, and so passed Christmas in Idaho a half a century ago. You know, in the pioneer days, the home was decorated with green branches and homemade decorations. You know, they didn't have a big Christmas tree because there was no room for a big tree in their small log cabins. Pine cones, nuts, berries, and popcorn chains were hung on the tree. Uh, Figures or dolls out of straw or yarn were made. Cookie dough ornaments and gingerbread men were also hung on the tree. Now, the Christmas dinner was planned, and preparation of the food began weeks ahead of time. The good old Christmas goose was fattened up, and the plum pudding was left to age in the pot until Christmas Day. Now, I've never had plum pudding that's been aged, but it uh, sounds kind of good. Anyway, there were chores that began months before Christmas, such as making the gifts for the family members, a corn husk doll, sachets, carved wooden toys, pillows, footstools, and embroidered hankies, uh, scarves, hats, mittens, socks had to be mitted, and girls were able to knit before they were six years old. And boys, a lot of times, would just make kind of a little box for a present. Now, if there had been a good harvest that year, presents were placed inside stockings. The stockings were hung on the fireplace. Cookies and fruit might also be found in the stockings. And Christmas Eve was a night for seeing carols and telling stories around the fireplace. Christmas Day, the whole family attended church and returned home to a Christmas meal. Then it was time to visit friends and neighbors. What a great time. Uh, I've got another little excerpt from somebody's journal, and I'm going to read this to you. Uh, This comes from a lady, and she says, We sailed from Liverpool on the ship Jersey in 1853, landing in New Orleans. They went up the Mississippi River by riverboat and crossed the plains. Uh, Elizabeth, she says, gave birth to a daughter near Sweetwater, Wyoming. Uh, You know that had to be (laughs) pretty rough. They go on, who says, uh, We spent our first Christmas with my husband's cousin, a guy by the name of Conway Morris. The room was without ceiling and I think without plaster. The fire was composed of three small sticks of wood placed across two adobes. The two sticks were so green that we could hear them sing and see the sap ooze out of them. Wood was scarce everywhere, as the canyons had been snowed up since autumn. They had a little three-month-old baby that had been born on the plains. She goes on, she says, Our supper was very plain, consisting of potatoes, some kind of bread, and I think a little meat. The house was very cold, and we sat keeping warm with a fire of three green sticks, and all the light we had came from the same source. And so we passed our first Christmas in the valley. So, folks, as you listen to... You know, stories about pioneer Christmases, they they sound a little romantic and and warm and cozy, and for a lot of them, I think they were, but uh, also some of them were were pretty rough. Now, in our last week's story, I talked about a guy by the name of Granville and James Stewart, 
And uh, I'm going to read an excerpt out of their uh, diary. I like this because Granville actually kept a, pr- a pretty good diary of, his, of what happened in his life. Well, uh, him and his brother at age 17, they'd gone uh, west uh, to the gold fields of California. And after five years of prospecting that brought them nothing, uh, in the summer of 1857, they decided to, to head for home. So they started east. And uh, anyway, the Stewart brothers uh, rode to a sheltered valley in the Rockies where they could winter. They soon fell in with some other mountain men who were wintering in the valley. And uh, one of the more important men at that time was a guy by the name of Richard Grant. And he was an old, uh, an old rancher. Now, they go on, he says, The high point of the winter was a banquet on Christmas Day to which the Grants invited their scattered neighbors. The long table in the cabin was covered with a white tablecloth and laden with an elaborate many-course meal, luxuries rarely seen in the remote mountain valleys. He says, Everyone pitched in to a feast of roast elk and buffalo, smoked tongue, now doesn't that sound good, baked beans, fresh bread, chokeberry preserves, coffee, and the pudding known locally as blackberry duff. Now, I checked on that, and the blackberry duff, as near as I can tell, is kind of like a cobbler. And it sounds like that would be pretty good, especially with a little ice cream on it. Well, later, a few years later, in 1861, uh, here they are again, the brothers James and Granville. And he says, on Christmas Day of 1861, uh, we visited a hamlet of Cottonwood and had a fine supper, he wrote, and then danced all night till sunrise. Now, a week later on New Year's Day, everybody went to a grand ball given by John Grant, and a severe blizzard blew up and raged all night. He says, we danced all night. No outside storm could dampen the festivities. He goes on, the music for these marathons, uh, James Stewart recorded, was usually provided by two violins, and the most popular dance was the quadrille. And I'm not sure what kind of dance that is. Now, both men and women paid considerable attention to their appearance. The men trimmed their whiskers and decked themselves out in their finest flannel shirts, beaded buckskin suits. And the women also decked out pretty good. They wore their brightest calico dresses, uh, blankets, ornaments made of feathers and and shells. Now, the Stuarts' only complaint was that there were never enough women to go around, and a man with an identifying handkerchief tied around his arm would have to fill the place of a woman in that, in that dance. So they, it didn't matter. They just had a great time. You know, Christmas goes way back, of course, obviously, and, you know, there was a time actually in uh, England where uh, Christmas was outlawed, and even for a short time here in America. But uh, the traditions continued, and uh, we had a lot of things come from the different countries that we incorporate into our Christmas season and holidays at this time. And folks, I, uh, I would hope that at this Christmas time you would remember the real meaning of Christmas and uh, think about serving others and helping others. It's a great time to uh, be grateful for what we have living in this great nation. And uh, I just want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and hope you have a great New Year and that all will go well with you and your family and friends. So that's all for now. Thanks, folks. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.